where is the best city in the United States to live? Now, I'm sure if you asked that question of 100 people, you'd get 100 different answers. And I suppose that's a, that's a fair thing to think because everybody's got different preferences. There are magazines, though, magazines and online uh, articles that you can look up to see, well, what are the best places? And there's one magazine in particular that every year comes out with their top 150 cities in the U.S. And as I was looking at that, that article for this coming year for, or for this current year, it actually said that Des Moines is number 19 on that list. Go Central Iowa. But what about for you? What is the best place for you to live? Well, maybe that is dependent on your upbringing. If you were raised in the country or in a small town, maybe you like that sort of, a, sort of an atmosphere and you don't want to go to a city. Or maybe you were raised in a city and you like that atmosphere and you want to live there. Or maybe you want something quieter and you, you go somewhere else. The best place for you may not be the best place for everyone. In the long run, though, it really doesn't matter where we live right now. It doesn't matter if we live in Ames or Story City or Roland or Ankeny. It really doesn't matter because we are part of all saints. And as all saints, along with all of the saints who have gone before us, we will someday live in a place that is infinitely better than central Iowa. In this portion of Revelation that we're going to look at today, the ending of our epistle reading, John talks about our future res residence, and, and he describes it as the perfect city. Let's listen again to that passage from Revelation 21, starting at verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God has given it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. There is no day when its gates will be shut for there will be no night in that place. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing that is unclean and no one who does what is detestable or who tells lies will ever enter it, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thus far, the text. So what is it that makes this, this city so special? What is it that makes it so perfect? Well, the city described in this part of Revelation is perfect, first off, because God himself lives there. The city, of course, is heaven, the dwelling place of God. We read in Isaiah 65, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Now, with God living there, it would seem like it would be the perfect place, right? But John makes a point of the fact that there is no temple in it which may sound like it wouldn't be perfect, especially to the people he's, he's writing originally to, the people of Bible times, when they hear no temple, well, they may be a little bit worried. But is it any less than perfect? Well, John says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So it's not an imperfect city at all. Now, to understand a little bit about why it's important to have a temple or not, we have to think about it from 
an Old Testament standpoint. In the Old Testament times, where was it that God's people came into his presence? It was in the temple. Now prior to that, it was the tabernacle as they were wandering in the wilderness. We'll get to that in a few minutes. The temple is where the people came closest to God, the place that God had said, this is the place of my presence. This is where you need to come to be in my presence. And in fact, in the temple, there was a very central part of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And that really was the place of God's presence. And there was only one day of the year on the great day of atonement that one person, the high priest, could enter in to that place. It was, it was that holy because of God's presence. Now, maybe some would consider that to be exclusive of God, a little bit standoffish perhaps. Why wasn't God just with his people? Why did he have to designate a specific place to be with them? Why? Well, because of sin. Think about the relationship that God had in the garden with Adam and Eve. He had a relationship with them. He walked with them. He talked with them just as much or just as naturally as we would be, be talking with, with someone. So God interacted with Adam and Eve. But then, sin. Adam and Eve plunged the world into sin, broke that relationship with God. Soon thereafter, were kicked out of the garden by God, rightfully so, and God's presence was not there with them in the same way. And so then, centuries later, as God's people were wandering in the wilderness, he had them construct a tabernacle, a tent, and that was his place of being with his people. And eventually he had them build the temple in Jerusalem. And that is where he came to them. The people, even God's own people, were, were too sinful to be in God's presence. As some of God's people said in 1 Samuel 6, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? And the answer, of course, is no one. And we carry on that, that tragic tradition of sin, of course, God doesn't deal with us directly either. If we were to, to contemplate being in God's presence, having Him standing right in front of us, we probably would be more than, than shaking in our boots. Think about it. How many times a day do you sin? Do you truly understand the fact that, that God knows everything that's going on in your mind, in your heart? He sees everything that you do. We don't really want God dealing with us directly because we know we're sinners. But in the perfect city, in the, in the city where God himself dwells, serving as its temple, he is the place, or this is the place of his presence. And John also points out that God gives light to this perfect city. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God has given it light and the Lamb is its lamp. Now today, as we live in this sinful world, we know God gives us physical light. He gives us the sun and the moon and, and the stars. But He also provides us with spiritual light. We have that in His Word, in the Bible. Psalm 119, 105, we know that verse. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He shines on us in his gospel. 
his life-giving word, explaining to us the way of salvation and, and actually giving us salvation through his word, giving us forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of his son Jesus. He comes to us in that word, connected with the waters of baptism, as he washes away all of our sin because of what Jesus has done. He comes to us in that word that's connected with the bread and the wine in the supper that Jesus instituted, that supper that gives us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Now this way of coming to us, of shining on us, is indirect. That doesn't mean that it's bad because God's word is good and powerful, but God has to use these, these particular means, these particular ways of coming to us because we can't be in his direct presence. So he comes to us indirectly through the Bible, through his sacraments. His word and his sacraments carry his power, his authority. But when we reside in the perfect city, God is going to shine on us. He will, he will be with us directly. He'll no longer need the, the word and the sacraments to speak to us because we will be with him face to face. When we're in heaven, God is going to appear to us in all of his glory. Think about the account when Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain with Jesus and Jesus was transfigured before them. He, he was showing himself in his glory. That's what it's going to be like for us when we get to heaven, that we will see God in all of his glory. He will deal with us directly. So it's a perfect city that John describes here. Because God is there. His presence is there. He himself serving as heaven's temple. Directly giving light to all of the inhabitants. In other words, by dealing with us directly. But that city is, is perfect. It has no flaws whatsoever for another reason. And that's because all saints live there. In verse 27 we read, Nothing that is unclean and no one who does what is detestable or who tells lies will ever enter it, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Note that part about no one who does what is detestable or who tells lies is part of all saints who live in the, in the perfect city. That sounds pretty strict. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever done something that's detestable? Have you ever sinned, in other words? It doesn't leave anyone out. All of us have sinned. We're conceived in sin. We're born in sin. We sin every day, telling not only lies, but, but breaking every other commandment in, in Scripture. But the group of people who are not in the perfect city, who are not part of all saints, don't have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. They haven't repented of their sins, in other words. And that's where the all saints part comes in all saints mean those who believe in jesus christ those who trust in him for their salvation when god made you his child whether that was when you were an adult or when you were a baby when he came to you and he washed your sins away because of what jesus has done for you he wrote your name in the lamb's book of life he declared that you personally have been saved, that you had been saved through the sacrificial death and resurrection of our Savior Jesus, the Lamb of God. 
And that includes all believers, all believers in the past, all believers in the present, all believers yet to come. That's part of the reason why we're celebrating All Saints Sunday. Now, I spoke earlier about the pros and cons of of living in particular areas of the country. And and yes, there are benefits of living wherever it is that that we choose to live. Some cities have better streets or a lower crime rate or more recreation opportunities. But in the perfect city, we're going to be blessed with even more amazing advantages. John wrote in verse 25, There is no day when its gates will be shut, for there will be no night in that place. We will be protected in this city of heaven. Think about a time when when you were a child and you were scared. There's a good chance it involved darkness. Maybe you were lying in bed at night. It's dark. It's it's dark outside. Maybe the wind is whipping and, and there's shadows on the wall from the trees outside and, and your imagination kind of runs wild and you're just sure that there's some creature who's ready just to jump out and get you. And maybe even as adults, we have fears that are associated with the darkness. Kind of makes sense. I mean, we can't see what's in the darkness and so we hear a sound and, and again, our imagination kind of runs wild and, and we imagine something or someone jumping out at us. But in heaven... There is no darkness, and we will be protected. John said there is no day when its gates will be shut. In ancient cities, the gates were shut at night to to keep all uh, outsiders outside, any kind of intruders. And even in the daytime, they would shut the gates if there were perhaps an opposing army coming to attack. So there is no danger in this perfect city because we are protected. And another blessing that we'll enjoy in this perfect city, maybe it's so obvious we haven't really mentioned it yet, we have eternal life. In Revelation 22, in the next chapter of Revelation, speaking of those who live in heaven, it says, and they will reign forever and ever. Have you ever thought about how long eternity is we can't really comprehend it we can't comprehend being outside of time i mean our minds think about time days and weeks and months and years and so to to try to think about eternity where passage of time really doesn't happen like like we have it now we just can't really comprehend that in heaven we will just be and we will reign We're not just regular old citizens eking out some sort of subsistence living while there are others who are living the good life. No, we will reign in heaven. All saints, all of us, and all of us who have gone before us will reign. We'll realize fully what it means to be part of God's royal priesthood, as Peter talks about in his first letter. And we will enjoy that special status forever. So all of us, Indeed, our saints, when we believe in God. God who who lives in this perfect city in all of his glory. He brings us sinners into that city of heaven because of the death and the resurrection of of our sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. And so he turns us into saints. And as saints, we will enjoy 
the greatest blessings imaginable when we get to heaven. And again, on this day, we, we also think about those saints who have gone before us who are already enjoying the perfection of heaven. When I think about people that I know, especially family members who have gone before us and who are already in heaven, I don't really think about what great people they were. I don't try to, to imagine them looking down on me from, from heaven. But I do think about one thing. I'm very happy. I'm very happy that God took that person, that God chose that person to be his own, and that he forgave that person of their sins, that he wrote their name in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And someday I will get to see that person again when I get to go to heaven. But yes, we are saints right now. You probably don't think of yourself that way at all times because you know yourself. You know what's inside of you. You know your thoughts, your words. You know what you do. And they are not very saintly all the time. But God looks at you as a saint. That's because when, when he made you his child, he took you and he wrapped you up in the perfect life of his son Jesus. So when he looks at you, he doesn't see all of your sins. He doesn't see all of those lies and detestable things. He only sees the perfection of his son Jesus. And someday he's going to take you from this imperfect world to the perfect city of heaven where you will reign with him forever and ever. Amen.